0: Today is our last message in the book of Acts, if you can believe that. We have moved verse by verse, literally word by word, through the record that God has recorded for us of the formation of his church. Now, all the way through, I have been saying, and you can probably quote it back to me, that God is preparing us in the church in the last days by our looking at the church in The first days. And all the way to the time we started this study, that has been the truth. God is preparing us as the church in the last days by looking at, by studying the church in the first days. Well, as much as I've said that, I can't emphasize it enough this morning. Church, these are those days. These are those days. Hear me shortly the days of the church as we know it will be over. The days of God's grace being known by the preaching and the proclamation of the church will be over. And friend, be sure, time is short and time is urgent. The truth of our gospel is any person trusting Jesus By faith is saved. That is our glorious gospel. Any person that would repent and turn to Jesus, trusting him in faith is saved. Praise the Lord. But the same truth is, and any and every person found outside of Christ is perishing and will perish, forever cut off from the hope of reconciliation with God. And that is our reality in the church of the last days. Now, I don't know what you're expecting today, and you may think I'm crazy. I probably am. It's all right if you say amen right there. But I am praying. Let me just tell you something. I don't know what you thought you were going to get today, but I am praying, and I have been praying that this might be the best sermon I have ever preached because it's that important. And I want to tell you, as I've prepared for several weeks, as I've thought about these verses for several weeks, I've begun to pray that this may be the the most outstanding message because it is that vital and that important. My prayer, listen to me, is that today is a rallying cry, that it is a rallying cry that stirs the hearts of believers. We need that. That it is a rallying cry that stirs a wave of faithful obedience in our lives. We need that. That it is a rallying cry that that ends in glory at the feet of Jesus very soon to happen. Church, the rallying cry is this We have a job to finish. That's the rallying cry. That's what I want you to hear today. That's what I want to end this study by, by us highlighting today. We have a job to finish. Now, listen, it is a job that was promised by the Old Testament prophets, it's that old. It is a job that was detailed and assigned by Jesus himself. It's that important. It is a job that began all those years back ago in a little upper room. It is a job that has been empowered and is empowered by prayer. It is a job that has been carried forward in blood. It is a job that has been pushed on in suffering. It is a job that cost James and Peter and Paul and countless others over the years their very lives. It is a job that Satan can't stand, but a job that though he can't stand it and though he may try, he can't stop it. And listen to me. It is a job that is now ours. We have a job to finish. We have a job to finish. Today we're going to finish the book of Acts. Today our verses are found in Acts chapter 28, verses 21 through 31. Acts chapter 28, verses 21 through 31. This morning our message is entitled, It's Almost Quitting Time, Let's Finish the Job. It's Almost Quitting Time, Let's Finish the Job. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 28, beginning now in verse 21, says this. And they said to him, We have neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren come here and reported or spoken anything bad about you, but we desire to hear from you about what your views are. For concerning this sect, it is known to us that it is spoken against everywhere. When they had set a day for Paul, they came to him in his lodging, in large numbers, and he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets, from morning until evening. Some were being persuaded by the things spoken, but others would not believe. And when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will also listen. When he had spoken these words, the Jews departed, having a great dispute among themselves. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. We are thankful for you. And we are thankful for your grace and your love and your mercy all shown to us in the person of Jesus. Lord, we're thankful for a study that you have led us through as your church. And I pray, Lord, that we have been able to have been shaped, that we heard, that we listened, that we would be different in, in heart and mind and attitude and in practice as your church. Lord, I'm thankful that there is good news today. And I pray, Lord, that in the preaching of the, of, the, of the Word of God today that we would hear good news, that some might receive good news, and that the result of that, the fruit of that, would be great glory for your name. Lord, we tell you today, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this opportunity. We ask that you move in this hour. Again, we ask that it's not normal but that it would be supernatural. And I pray, Lord, asking that you would speak this morning. We trust it to you. And I pray in all of it, in the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. As we begin this morning, I want to first start off, and I want to settle the first statement that I made. Now, this is kind of a bonus part for our sermon today, but I want to settle the first statement that it is almost quitting time. It is almost quitting time. Now, I've started off by saying we are the church of the last days. Jesus says in John chapter nine, speaking of himself, he says, he must work the works of him who sent him, for night is coming when no one can work. Now, I want you to be sure this morning, for us, there is a time coming when the work of the church will be fulfilled, will be finished. The days before that event are called the last days. These last days before that event. Now, there are many signs of these last days, of those last days. Now, Paul gives us some in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, I want you to listen These are signs that we are existing in the last days. Listen to what God says. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Do you listen to these words? Do you hear that? In the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. They will be boastful arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. You can't calm them down. They will be malicious gossips. They will be without self-control. They will be brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness although they have denied its power. Now listen, those are just some of the signs the Bible tells us, but I want you to think about those signs. How many of those signs sound like our day? How many of those signs exactly match up with the day that we're living in? Lovers of self, arrogant, insolent, can't be calmed down, haters of good. I am convinced, listen, these are those days. These are those days. We are in the days very soon before Jesus comes for his church. These are those days. Well, you say those, these are the last days. Well, the last days before what? The last day before what event takes place? Let me show you that as well. Paul, again, is speaking. He's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Now listen to this. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren. It's talking to Christians. You need to be informed about those who are asleep, a word for those that have passed away, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. Now, I say it all the time. We do grieve. Pain is a, is a hard process, but we grieve as those that have hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, listen, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. All right, listen to this. For we say to you by the word of the Lord, it's not the word of Paul or somebody else, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, we will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Friends, listen to me. These are the last days before Jesus gloriously comes for his church. Some of (laughs) y'all can remember Fred Flintstone. (laughs) Now, I never thought I would say this, but some of y'all may be too young to remember Fred Flintstone. I never thought that would happen. But I I don't remember if you remember the, the opening to his cartoon show. Remember, he's at the rock quarry, and he's there, and he's got his big old rock lunchbox, and he's up there on his dragon or whatever that dinosaur thing is, and they're breaking up rocks. And Barney Rubble's there, and he's over there working. They're there. They don't even have any shoes on, working at the rock quarry. And they've been busting up rocks all day, and they've been stacking rocks all day, and they're there working in the rock pit. And you remember that cartoon? I don't know who it was. I guess it's the boss. He reaches over, and he squeezes some bird, kind of pulls his neck down. And a whistle blows out of that bird. You remember that? Woo! He squeezes the bird. And the work is over. And Barney Rubble yells out, Yabba-dabba-doo. You remember that? He comes off of that dinosaur, and he hits the ground rubbing, and Yabba-dabba-doo, the work day is over. Yabba-dabba-doo, I looked it up in caveman Hebrew. It means <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> Woo! And he jumps off of that that dinosaur, and he hits the ground in his big, fat, bare feet, and he hits the ground running, woo! and the whistle is blown, and the workday is over. Friends, listen to me. (laughs) Listen to me. We're not waiting on a whistle. Oh, listen to me, we're not waiting on a whistle, oh, but we better start listening for a trumpet, friends. We better start listening for the blow of a trumpet. It is soon coming, and the work will be through. Praise the Lord. And the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more. At the midnight cry, I'll be going home. Take hope today. It's almost quitting time. Take hope. It's almost quitting time. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know how hard it is. I don't know what your struggle is. But I want you to take hope. It is almost quitting time. Praise the Lord. Listen to me. Jesus is coming for his church. But I want you to stay with me. If we are the church... Of the last days, the rally cry is this. It is almost quitting time, yes. But we have to finish the job. We have to finish the job. We have a job to finish. That is our rally cry. Yes, Jesus is coming in very soon. Let us finish the job. Now there we're going to go now to the book of Acts. We're going to go to our verses, these verses that end our study. Now I want you to stay with me today. If we are the church of the last days, and I'll just tell you, we are, we are that church. If we are the church of the last days, here's the truth today. We had better be prepared. Doesn't that make sense? We better be prepared. There's something marvelous about to happen. There's a changing of an era. We had better be prepared if we are the church of the last days. That's what this study has been all about. We had better be prepared to serve the cause of Christ in such important days. We better be ready. We better be prepared. Well, as we conclude today, we're going to see from Paul four vital things that we had better be prepared for. Now, I think it's God's perfect timing. I know that it is that this count ends with these four. I think the days that we're living in, this is how we should most fittingly close out this account. So, we're going to see four vital things that we need to be prepared for as the church in the last days. Now, the first thing we need to do, the first thing we need to be prepared for is we had better be prepared to stand alone. We had better be prepared to stand alone. Now, let's go to our verses here in Acts chapter 28. Remember, Paul's now in Rome, he's made the trip. He is awaiting his trial before Caesar. That's where we find him. And he has requested, and now he is addressing the Jews there in Rome. Now, last week we ended with verse 20. This week we pick back up in verse 21. We better be ready to stand alone. Verse 21. They said to him, We have neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren come here and reported or spoken anything bad about you. Now, what's happened here in verse 21? The Jews in Jerusalem had not made their charges known to the Jews in Rome. Now, he goes there for the trial. They were supposed to either send the charges or come and make the charges themselves. That's what they would prefer. But they have not made the charges known. To the Jews in Rome. And so they say here, We haven't heard anything about you. No brethren, no Jewish brethren has shown up. We have no papers on you. We haven't heard anything about you, so we have nothing against you. They said to him, We have neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren come here and reported or spoken anything bad about you. Verse 22. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For concerning this sect, it is known to us that it is spoken against everywhere. Now the word here for sect, it means, it it translates into a religious sect. That's what it's referring to. Here it's referring to Christianity, to those who are followers of Jesus Christ. They say, Tell us what you believe. We want to know what it is you believe because everyone is speaking against these Christians, against this sect. Now, the first point is this the world hates Jesus, therefore, it hates the message of Jesus, the gospel, therefore, it hates the messengers. Of the gospel, the church. Now, I want you to see that. We need to understand that and be resolved in that. The world hates Jesus. Jesus said they would. The world hates Jesus. Therefore, it hates the message of the truth of Jesus, the gospel. Therefore, it hates the messengers of this truth, the church itself. Be very sure this morning the the world cannot stand the Jesus preaching church. Now, we've touched on this several times, but we're going to go out by hammering this down. The world cannot stand the Jesus-preaching church. Now, the world, it doesn't mind the worldly-looking church, doesn't mind at all. The world, it has no problem with the pretend social club church. There's a lot of churches like that. The world doesn't mind that type of church. The world, it can even deal with the do-good Social justice church, but it cannot stand the Jesus preaching church. And so listen to me this morning. Be sure of this. If that's what we're going to do as the church, if that's who we're going to be as the church, we had better be prepared in the last days to stand alone. Now I've got to tell you something. And I'm going to tell you something, and I don't mean to scare you, except I kind of do. You do know, don't you, that the business world's not for us. You do know that, don't you? The retail world, the business world, you do know it's not for the church. You do know, don't you, the entertainment world, it's not for the church, it's not with the church. It's opposed to the church. You do know that, don't you? The the entertainment world, it's not for the church. In fact, you do know, don't you? The vast majority of people right now are not for us. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it this morning while I'm on a roll. You do know, don't you? Government's not for us. Our hopes in a government, our hopes in putting these people in or getting these people out or doing these things. Listen, the government is not for us. Folks, Jesus told us this is how it be. Jesus gave us this warning. As we read the account of, of Paul, he found they were not for him. We better be prepared to stand alone. Now, that's a tall order. That's a big order. I thought about that. That's easy to say. We better be prepared to stand alone. Nobody's with us, the world is in opposition to us. We better be prepared to stand alone. That's That's a tall order. I thought about that. But how do we get ready for that? How do we prepare to stand alone? Is there a way to be ready to stand alone? Listen very carefully. It's this. We've been singing it for a lot of years. We prepare, listen to me Christian, we prepare to stand alone by resolving and by knowing on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You want to know how we're going to stand? We're going to stand on Jesus. You want to know how we're going to endure by ourselves? It's going to be because our feet are planted firmly on Jesus. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. We can stand if we're standing on Jesus. Though none go with us. Listen, they're not going. Though your friends turn against you, though you're forsaken by a world that can't stand Jesus. Listen, you will prevail. You will stand if you're standing on Jesus. That brings us to the next vital thing. And boy, is it. Next vital thing is this. We better be ready to persuade people to follow Jesus. We better be ready to persuade people to follow Jesus. Let's go back to the verses, verse 23. And when they had set a day for Paul, they came to him in his lodging in large numbers. And he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets for a morning. Until evening. Now that's a loaded verse. That's a huge verse. I want to read it again. I want you to listen to the words of the verse. And when they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers. And he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus. From both the law of Moses and from the prophets, from morning until evening. Now I want us to look at some of the words used here in verse 23. Let's look at what Paul was doing. It says first off that he was explaining to them. He is explaining to them. Now that word in the original language in the Greek means this, to expound, to expose, or to set forth. And so Paul is explaining to them. Then it says, he is solemnly testifying. He is solemnly testifying. Now, in the original language, in the Greek, that means to give solid evidence. Not hearsay, but solid evidence. It means to testify earnestly. Most literal translation, a strong, intense, full testimony. Now listen to that, it is a strong, intense, complete, full testimony. He is powerfully pouring out the full testimony of the gospel of Jesus pri- of Christ. Then it says this, He is trying to persuade them to persuade them. It is a word that means urging them. It is a word that means seeking to win them over. Listen, He is seeking to convert them, to win them over. He is trying to convince them. It says concerning Jesus. Now when you put that all together, I want you to see what he is doing here. He is calling them and he is teaching them and he is persuading them and he is urging them and he is cheering them and he is telling them all that he can do trying to convince them to follow Jesus as their Lord. I want you to see this. That's what believers do. Well, that seems embarrassing. That seems radical. That seems crazy. Isn't that cuckoo? You're going to go out and try to persuade people to convince people? Isn't that over the top? Isn't that some undignified thing that you would go out and profess to know the truth and try to lead people to Jesus? Isn't that crazy? Listen to me. Maybe, yes, it is, but that doesn't even matter. Eternity hangs in the balance. This is all that matters. The verse ends, and it says, He did it from morning to evening. They came early. He got there, started speaking, did it from morning to evening. You know what that tells me? It tells me this was the priority. It tells me this is what mattered. He doesn't stop. He doesn't say, you know what, at 10 o'clock, I got some stuff to do. He doesn't say, well, we ought to have lunch somewhere, and we can come back and do it some other time. He doesn't let up after a half a day. It is what matters. It is the priority. Friends, listen to me again. That is our job as believers. Do you believe Jesus is coming again very soon? Do you believe those outside of Christ will perish? That is our mission. And it is no less important today, I will tell you. I believe, in fact, it is more so in these urgent hours. If we do not tell them they will not hear, let that sink in. It's that urgent the witness of the gospel is the church. If we do not tell them, they will perish. They will not hear. And so how do we prepare to persuade people? That's again, easy to say, prepare to persuade people. How do we take up such a tall order? How do we convince people? And I'm talking about actually convince them. Well, the answer is here as well. It says he used the law of Moses and the words of the prophet. Now, it's talking about the scriptures. Today, we add to that the writings of the apostles in our New Testament, but it is talking about the Bible. Listen to me. See this today. We convince... We persuade, we compel not with our words alone, but using the word of God. We speak to them, we persuade them, we compel them using the word of God. Do you see why we make the Bible the focus point of the focal point of the church? We could have all sorts of activities here. We could have all sorts of things going on, but the Bible is the focal point of the church. Do you see why we study it? While we hear it, while we preach it, do you see why it's important to commit to being here on Sunday mornings and coming back even on Sunday night and coming back on Wednesday evening and studying on your own and studying in the midst of your home? It is because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. How we persuade people is by preaching and teaching and sharing the word of Christ of God. We better get ready to persuade. We need to be ready to persuade. We need to know the Bible. We need to know the truth of God's word. We need to know the gospel of a gracious Savior that comes as the remedy for sinners. We better prepare to persuade. Next thing. Third thing. We must prepare to stand alone We must prepare to persuade. And the third thing is this, and maybe it doesn't fit, but let me tell you the third thing. Here it is. We must prepare for rejection. We must prepare for rejection. Let me me tell you the craziest thing. The craziest thing is that people hate their greatest need, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you what, that makes no sense to me. People are numb to the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are tired of the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are flat out opposed to the good news of the hope of Jesus. And I, I, that doesn't make sense to me. There's forgiveness in Jesus, there's restoration in Jesus, there's a new start in Jesus. We have hope that endures eternal life in the person of Jesus. Jesus loves you and in his great grace he offers that to you. The craziest thing is that people would reject that. Verse 24. Some were being persuaded by the things spoken but others would not believe. Some translates some. That's what it translates, some. Listen to this. Large numbers are coming. A whole bunch of them showed up. Paul is trying with all that he has. Some are persuaded. But others, it says, would not believe. Verse 25. And when they did not agree with one another, the group and Paul... They began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your fathers, saying, Paul's last statement to them, they're disagreeing, the Jews are getting up and they're taking off, they're leaving, but they do not leave until he says one last thing to them. What he says is a quotation of Isaiah from Isaiah chapter 6, all right, verse 26 and 27 says this, "'Go to this people and say, "'You will keep on hearing, but will not understand, "'and you will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. "'For the heart of this people has become dull, "'and with with their ears they scarcely hear, "'and they have closed their eyes.' Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and I would heal them. The Bible says here in in the prophet Isaiah that these people, they will shut their ears, they will shut their eyes, their hearts will be dull. Their hearts are dull. The word means numb. They don't care. Nothing stirs them to action. Their hearts are numb. Saddest part of that. Is had they heard, and had they responded in faith, he would have healed them, he would have saved them. I'm going to tell you, that's the saddest thing I can even imagine. He says, I would heal them. The gospel is good news. It's for them. It's finished in Christ. Had they heard, he would have healed them. He would have have saved them. Verse 28, therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will also listen. Verse 29. When he had spoken these words, the Jews departed, having a great dispute among themselves. Verse 29, they leave. Hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ hearing the promise that was made to them is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, hearing of their Savior, of their Messiah, here's what they do, they leave. Hearing of their Savior, they leave. Let me tell you, the hardest part of being in the church in the last day is people are numb. People are fooled that there's hope somewhere else. And people won't hear. People won't listen. And it's all around us in the day that we're living in, hearing of Jesus. They're they're convinced they don't need him. They're convinced they've they've got some respite somewhere else. They've got hope somewhere else, and they're numb, and they won't hear. And even hearing, just like the Jews, they walk off. Even hearing they leave. I want to tell you today that the hardest thing for me is that. That's the hardest thing for me. I, I, I watch and I stand here and I preach. And I have hopes that when ears hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, oh, that they would hear it. Oh, that their hearts would respond to it. Oh, that they would just believe there is hope in Jesus. There truly is. There's peace in Jesus. The world can't give it. There truly is. There is salvation in Jesus. There truly is. Oh, that they would hear it. Oh, that they would believe. hardest thing, they think the world has something better They think there's hope somewhere else and they walk off. Bible tells us, church, the last days, we had better be prepared for rejection. How? How? How do you deal with rejection? Brings us to the last vital thing. The last thing and that is this. Church in the last days, we had better be prepared to persevere. We had better be prepared to persevere. I want to read verse 30. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him. And he stayed two full years. In his own rented and quarters, and he was welcoming all who came to him. Now, I want you to think about one word with me here. We're, we're about to move on. I want you to think about one word, and that is the word "and." The word "and" that starts here in our translation. It is a conjunction, and it is joining two things. There are two things here, and they are being joined together, conjoined with this conjunction. Now, it is a strange thing. I want to look at this one word. In the original language, it is not and. That conjunction is there, but it's not and. Rather, in the original language, the the conjunction is translated then. Then. There's these two events, there's these two verses, and they're joined together with a then. I want you to stay with me. I want you to see this. They were numb. They had had hardened their hearts. They would not hear. They would not see. And so they left. That's the one event. And then what's being joined here in this then is this. They leave. Then the next words that are recorded are this He stayed. Listen, that's the most literal translation. He tries with all that he has. He pleads with all that he has, and they leave. So what does he do? Does he stop? No. Does he go silent because he's discouraged? No, that's not what he does. Does he go and find something better to do? Does he go and find something easier to do? No. The Bible says they leave, then he stays. Listen to me, church. We had better be prepared to pray persevere, whether they receive it, whether they don't, whether they rejoice, whether they spurn it, we persevere in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is eternally important. Is that what that means? Let's look at the next verse and find out. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. With all openness, unhindered. Openness and unhindered translates boldly and not restrained. In the King James Version it says, with all confidence. What does he do? They leave and he stays. They leave and he goes on preaching and teaching. He goes on teaching and preaching boldly without restraint. Church, hear me today. The last words of our study in Acts. Three years and a month have brought us to this. Here's the last words of our study in Acts. Our world desperately needs the gospel. Our world desperately needs Jesus. So desperately. Look at homes today. Look at marriages today. Look at people hurting today. Look at the wreckage everywhere we go today. Our world needs Jesus. Oh, it needs Jesus. And for us in the church today, it's almost quitting time. Listen, it's almost quitting time. It won't be long now. So for the glory of God, listen to me, let's finish the job. Our Savior is worthy. For the glory of God, oh, it's almost quitting time. I'm ready. But for His glory, let's finish the job. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and we praise you today. We thank you. We worship you. I'm thankful that somebody was faithful to tell somebody who told somebody who told somebody. Who, when my dad was 27, told my dad, He was saved and his life was changed. He was in his thirties, he told me in our living room. The grace of God and the power of the gospel. I'm saved. I'm thankful for somebody that told somebody that told somebody. Lord, I pray thanking you that we know the day is soon approaching. There'll be the voice of an archangel and the blast of a trumpet. And you will come in great glory. We'll be reunited with those that we love in Christ. And we'll be, most of all, in the presence of Jesus forevermore. But I pray, Lord, until that day, we'd be a people of integrity. We'd be a people of empathy and compassion as you are. We'd reach for another, and we would tell somebody, Lord, and we would tell somebody, and we would tell somebody, Lord, that they would tell somebody. Lord, help us, empower us, lead us, encourage us, hold us carry us if you have to. Help us finish the job for your glory and for your name. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to finish our service today with a time of response, a time of invitation. And you hear all that and wonder, well, what's what's all the crazy words? What's all the the urgency? Listen, the, the urgency is this. There's a God that loves you. He sees your state and your sin. He sees that you're Broken in your relationship with him, he sees that you're perishing. He loves you so much, he sends his only begotten son, Jesus. Not because we deserved it, we didn't deserve it. Not because we've earned it, we never could earn it. But in great grace, he sends his only begotten son, Jesus. He comes and he lives a life. He never sins, not one sin. He's the perfect lamb of God. Because he never sins, he's able to offer himself in our place, to pay our penalty, take God's wrath towards sin, poured out upon him. That's what he does. That's what Jesus does. That's what the cross is about. There he dies paying the price for sin, for sinners, for my sin and for your sin. It's finished, settled in him, paid in full to Telestai. With it paid in full, they take him off the cross. He's dead. It's paid in death. They place him in a grave. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he didn't stay dead. Three days later, In great victory and great power, he walks out of the grave, and he stands as the hope of sinners, the risen lamb. And the Bible says, listen, if you'll trust him for your salvation, if you'll turn to him, turning away from your sin, turn to him. He'll save you. Not because you got good, not because you attended church for a length of time, not because you built some resume that was impressive to somebody, but by faith, turning to Christ, if you'll trust him, he'll save you. That's the good news of the gospel. The urgency is, listen, that's available to you today. That's offered to you today. Peace in Jesus today. Hope settled in Jesus today. That's our gospel. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, turn to him today. He'll save you today. Call upon him today. He'll save you today. If you need more information, you come. Let's settle that. If you want to talk it through, you come. Let's let's settle that. Trust in Jesus. He'll, He'll save you today. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision. Maybe it was was recently. Maybe it was further back. But you've never followed in believer's baptism. And what a great testimony it would be to say, you know what, in obedience to what Christ has said, testifying to what he's done. I want to be baptized. Not as part of our salvation. Always after our salvation, but testifying to such a great Savior. You come, we'll set a day to be a great celebration, pointing to our Savior Jesus. Maybe you need to take care of that. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. and You believe God has led you here. You come and together we'll uphold his word. We'll preach his gospel. We'll carry it to a lost and dying world till he comes again. God's led you here. You come as well. We'll, we'll join together. We'll seek to honor his name. Maybe you're here today and on a hard day for many folks. You want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Bible says nothing is too big, nothing's too small. We have a gracious, kind Savior. So maybe today you want to come and pray at an altar, pray with me. I'm going to ask as we conclude our service that no one would stir about or head for an exit. I truly do believe this is the most important time of our service, a time to respond to God's truth to his word. Whatever your response is. As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out and you come on, I'll meet you here at the front. You come on, I'll meet you here.